0: Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi guys, today we're speaking with Yen Japney. She's a serial entrepreneur and the founder of two successful e-commerce businesses, BillionaireBeauties.com and Curve Sculpting.
1: Yen shares a story of her family's financial and personal struggles and how the work ethic her mum instilled in her from a young age led to her motivation and ambition to grow her online businesses. We also discuss how Yen was able to systemize her business so that she could hire and train staff in order to scale them
2: successfully.
0: We hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.
2: Hi, Yen. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? So good. And you're here in Australia? I'm in Australia, Melbourne. So we have four seasons in one day. <laughs> that's the <laughs> same. That's, that's what we're famous for. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so you are
0: quite an impressive entrepreneur, Mm. if I may say so myself, and you have had multiple businesses. They have been wildly successful and we just want to hear your
2: story. So how did you become the woman you are today? How did I become an entrepreneur? So I was raised by a single mom. Um, dad left when I was 10 months and my mom came to Australia as a refugee, um, with my brother. With my brother in her stomach and me as a, you know, a toddler of 10 months, um, my mum my actually, she wasn't meant to fly on the She wasn't meant to be able to travel because she was very pregnant, but she strapped her stomach and she made it happen. So um, my mum didn't, ha- didn't have any English. She didn't know any English. She didn't have a, a partner. She didn't know anyone. So wow. going to Australia was very tough. Um, we struggled. Financially, um, my mom and our family, because my mom had to do two, three jobs. So I had to learn how to cook, how to, you know, um, do the house chores at a very young age, and how to look after my brother.
1: How old were you when you came to Australia?
2: Uh, Ten months. 10 oh my months gosh, old.
1: so young. Yeah, Ten so,
2: months, and she was pregnant again. And she, no, she was already pregnant with my brother, about uh, two <laughs> Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, so um, it was. So, growing up with a younger brother and my mum, it was it was definitely a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so, my mum taught me what hard work is. And, it, you know, she worked two, three jobs at a time. And I know when I grew older, when I got to the stage of when I was able to work, mm-hmm. I was also working, you know, three to five jobs. Like, I didn't have a day off. I think my mum's mentality was you have to work to make money. I know I, when I had a day off during uh, work, you know how sometimes obviously when you work and they give you a day off or two, yeah. she would literally ask me, what are you doing at home? Aren't you supposed to work? Really? So that was, <laughs> that was how tough my mom was. Like I yeah. always had to work. So during the weekend, I would find like a weekend job to then pay off the mortgage. So my mom uh, managed to uh, have a mortgage and she, she as a you know, maybe it's a Vietnamese thing, I don't know. Um she got into gambling at one stage because it was like an addiction um to win that money.
1: Yeah. And yeah. so
2: she yeah, so we went into a lot of debt during that time. Crazy. Oh, no. Yeah, and so it was I worked and worked and worked. I remember I went through depression at the age of eighteen. Yeah. Wow. I remember working so hard and I just couldn't understand why I didn't have enough money to get all the things I wanted. I remember I couldn't complain to anyone, Yeah. and just laying there in bed, and I would cry myself in the pillow. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't say anything to my mom or my brother because they were going through so much. So yeah. I kept everything to myself and just soldier on. But that made me tough.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, so, it's so they so like the work ethic of an. Im- we hear a lot. We've we've interviewed a lot of immigrants work, yeah. and a yeah. lot of people raised by immigrants, and mm. uh, the one continuous theme that we hear about is the work ethic that is instilled in a lot of children of immigrants mm-hmm. um, all Absolutely. over the world, whether your parents immigrated to America or wherever. It's like almost like this um, foundation of going somewhere to build a better life for yourself. There's just this insane work ethic that comes along with it. Mm. Um, but and, it's, and throw a single mother like Yeah, in it. right. Yeah. But it, it's interesting to me that it was like the work ethic, but then the financial backing, like that financial education that you'd need mm-hmm. to to achieve financial security doesn't sound like it was necessarily there,
2: like along with the work ethic. So then you end up just working even harder. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? But, or is that your Absolutely. Experience? Yeah. I definitely. And I know that it took me a long time from getting to, you know, um, working really hard to hiring staff. Yeah. So that I'll tell you that later on. Yeah. But um, <laughs> when I... <laughs> When I started my business, I actually started as a side hustle while doing full time at a hospitality job. I was doing waitressing. How
1: Mm -hmm. did you find, obviously, like money was tight. You were working so Mm -hmm. hard to get money. It sounds like, were you helping to pay the mortgage for the family home as well with with your? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, one of my job when I was uh, 18 was real estate, and I was determined not to rent. I wanted to make sure that we could buy our own house and invest in our own house. Yeah. So that was something that was high in my values at that time to it, be able to make that much money to pay the mortgage. Well,
1: wow. Yeah, it's amazing. So then it must have been a difficult decision to start a high-risk startup and, mm-hmm. and, and put money into a business. Um, what or, or did you kind of feel like this
2: is the only choice I have if I actually want
1: to make money and have more time?
2: I think for me growing up, I always knew that I had so much more to me than just, you know, just waitressing. I just knew with me, I have so much to give to the world. I have so much knowledge, and I know that I was so ambitious yeah. to do more. And so I did meet a lot of um, successful people during the period where I was working in hospitality, and we built like, you know, you connect with them, and they do see that in you as well. So that motivated mm-hmm. me to do more. Um, and so I actually did was working on my side hustle for many years. Uh-huh. So I started my first business at 23 years old. Okay. And that, um, what was that business? I, I'm 31 now. That business was um, a lash business. So that was like, I was like the very first few that started um, meat lashes. Yeah. So it's like a different type of um, eyelash, um, strip lash where you, it's more lighter, it's fluffier, but it's a little bit more pricey. Mm -hmm. right so I started that yeah I started that as a side um hustle so the way I did it was you know how I told you I worked a lot Mm -hmm. so even on weekends I'll take up another job so the only time I found a way to be able to fit in my side hustle was the way that I got my mom not to ask me too much questions too is when I finish work I'll go home and I'll work on this side business
1: Oh my god, and then she'd leave you alone because yep. you like, I'm doing my and, business, Mom. Yeah. So it's like Mom, I'm working
2: on I'm working on this project. So and even during like break time, I was very anti social. Yeah. We had this break area where um uh where we had um our break and I would always sit by myself with headphones in and just replying to customers. Social media was a big thing. I was um on Instagram, this is like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um on Instagram, working with influencers. So we started working with a lot of influencers um, early on. Now they're all famous now.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. What, what yeah, year was this? Was this back in that. like 2013 kind of time?
2: Yeah. So when I was 23. So I'm am I'm 31 now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that was kind so of like the golden age of Instagram, wasn't it? So you were Absolutely. kind of right on the cusp of influence marketing. Yeah. So so you so you, mm-hmm. you sourced the lashes, you found the influencers,
2: and then then what happened with with the lash business? Um. That. I was giving out a lot of freebies because yeah. I had no idea how else at, at that time to market. Yeah, I I did a lot of influence marketing. So this is early days. I was on the on on for a while before everyone else, right? Yeah, and I realized that it was so hard to sell a lash at that price range, and I think in myself, like I would, you know, coming from a poor background. I, I also saw like, oh, it was a bit pricey for the lash too. So for me, it was a struggle in that sense. I had a lot of people who knew me, who bought off me, uh-huh. but I, I, I wasn't ambitious enough to, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 was, I honestly, I spent so much time on the packaging. I spent so much time on the, the details of every little thing. And that comes to complexity is the enemy of execution. Yeah. Keep it simple. That's something i learned <laughs> in life later. <laughs> yes. I so. love that. that well, is, we say yeah, like sometimes done is better than perfect. Yeah, totally. That's Absolutely. And that saved my life. That saved my business, saved everything. So at 23, I launched that and then it didn't go too well. And then I started getting onto a con- color contact lens. Um, they were called Solotica. Mm-hmm. And we they only sold it in Brazil. And from Brazil to Australia, it took literally three months to arrive yeah and i i really loved the the color and then my friends started buying it with me and then i saw there was a huge demand for it yeah and i was like this i don't want to waste three months and so i managed to get distribution for that brand and i launched the first e-commerce store to sell solotica in australia wow and then
1: is that what became billionaire beauties which is your and that became
2: billionaire beauties Oh my God! that's the birth of Billionaire Beauties. So. so
0: we've heard a lot about Billionaire Beauties. Tell me, I mean, this is one of those as-seen-on brands. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. obviously been very successful. It's still very successful for you. Tell me about the rise of that, how that happened. Were there any bumps along the way? Because Absolutely. Because I know it just didn't go gangbusters right away. There's got to be mm-hmm. some story there.
2: So tell yeah. us about it. <laughs> So billionaire beauties launched, um, and I was selling. Like I only bought a little bit of stock because I had not that much money. Uh-huh. Um, so I put in, you know, probably a couple grand, and then to see if it sells. And we only we started off here. I'll share. I'll share this with you. So we started off with um, an Instagram account. And then on that Instagram account, because I still had my Diamond Japanese website, Mm. it was very expensive to do another website. So what we did was on that Instagram account, we actually linked it, a private link onto our Diamond Japanese, uh, Mm. just a link on Diamond Japanese. So that way, to see if that product actually s- sell. So it was so like the shop we, you'd already set yeah. up online basically. Yes. So you
0: didn't have to go through the process.
2: Yeah. Wow. And this so is, I'm guessing I before to t- like. Cause I had to test it. Yeah. I yeah, had to test yeah. if it's, so or not before I start a whole website gotcha. and invest in a website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was before like the easier tools like Shopify didn't exist. I'm guessing. And like no, Shopify did exist, but oh, did I it? think for me, I didn't want to pay for another Shopify store gotcha. and have it built. Yeah, okay. so I was working on budget. Yeah, yeah.
0: gotcha. Okay, so so, the, we... so you have this link back to your existing site. You've got mm-hmm. a little bit of stock. Then what happens?
2: And it sold out straight away. Oh my god. Every time I restock, it sold it straight away. So during this time when I was selling my stock and reinvesting back into the business, I was then able to have profit to make that website. And these
0: are essentially... really beautiful colored lenses that
2: don't they're correct. very natural yeah mm.
0: very natural looking and they just don't they don't
2: come with any eye correction it's they just, do oh do they they do okay. they do come with prescription but it does take time to get to there
0: okay yeah but you don't need um, to have a prescription
2: to wear them no yeah. no no okay yeah. so we launched uh then finally i invested in the website billionaire beauties and that's when we started um, selling it on directly on our website. And then because we worked early days with um, big influences, like now, like years on, they're like a lot more famous and well-known. Mm-hmm. And so we reached out to them because it's the same type of product. It's on the eyes, it's contact lens. Yeah. And con- this is the boom of color contact lens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it started going viral. And it, the funny thing, I'll tell you the at, 20, at 25 at 25, After like months on end, I remember uh, while waitressing and it was a quiet day that day and I had my notepad out and I I realized because, so I was casual, but I was getting full-time hours until later on they were like trying to get rid of all the casuals to go full-time because obviously to pay casual is a lot more uh, expensive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was stubborn. I was like, I was there for so long. I can do casual because casual you get paid more. Yeah. <laughs> so they sent me home every three hours. This was happening for weeks on end. And I made sure I had a goal in my mind. I'm like, okay, well, how can I quit my job? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? So I, I said to myself, okay, how much sales do I have to make to cover my hourly rate? And then I, I wrote down another list of like how much money, because we made a lot of tips as a being waitressing. Yeah. So how much money do I have to make to um Cover the tips that I make. And then so I set myself a goal. I'm like, okay, that takes about only 10 sales. That's not, that's, that's bearable. That's doable. And yeah. then so I made little goals like this and I wrote it down. And I'm like, okay, what can I do to get another sale? What can I do to, you know, reach that goal? And finally, I did reach that goal and I wanted to wait. So one month we hit 30 grand. The next month we we're able to scale that consistently. And the next month I was like, oh, we already made 90,000. I'm like, I'm going to have to get tax on this. <laughs> I'm on the next tax bracket. I, I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that this is a side hustle anymore. Yeah, what? We're oh not like, God, yeah, I'm, I'm just like, anymore. Hmm, yeah. this is, I'm making more money than I am at my, my current job. Yeah. What so, did it feel like to hand your notice in and, and quit your job? No, I'll, I'll tell you the story now. So I remember I was in the shift and then the supervisor was like, Yen, you can go home. And I was like half pissed off but half ready. And I'm like in my head, you know what? I already made it for a consecutive three months. I think I'm ready. And so I went to my manager, who's my good friend. It was just the supervisor who kept sending me home. Yeah. Um, and said, I'm resigning today. And she's like, no, think about it. I'm like, you guys are sending me home every three hours. I'm not making my the money. I'd rather spend time on my business than having to stay here. Yeah. So she's like, Put it in an email so during lunch i put it in put it in an email and then i left um pretty much the next day yeah awesome and then all I and i was working my butt off and let's let's stir in a little bit it, it wasn't all smooth sailing mm-hmm. so when i got home and i said mom i quit my job she's like oh okay like you know being being a really worth ethic and she she's not an entrepreneur but yeah. she worked hard for her money so in the mentality of an Asian parent they're like you know if you have a job that's stability if yeah. you don't have a job that's not that's not stable that's scary yeah yeah. yeah yeah I remember remember I remember we were struggling financially already but we settled down and then two years later uh, she broke up with her partner not long ago and then she went on online dating and she downloaded um, this app called Tinder obviously everyone knows Tinder <laughs> yeah <laughs> and she got catfished oh well, your no. mom did <laughs> my mom got catfished and somehow she was sending so much money to the point where she had to ask me and lie to me to uh, to say that she owed money to bad people
0: wait, oh my what? god
2: wait she was yeah, she got so, catfished so she by triggered... a
0: man on tinder yep. who asked yep. her for money and this is mm-hmm. once billionaire
2: beauties has has become successful when this is when um I started to quit my job. Obviously with every money, every profit that we made in Billionaire Beauties, I would reinvest it uh-huh. to then get more stock. So okay, it was gotcha. very expensive to buy this. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. My so, gosh, and all the
1: all the while your mum's being catfished and she's like been manipulated yep. to
2: send money to someone. Oh my god. So it was happening for a few months at that time and I remember coming home and I'm like, Oh, why are you home? Like and then she left the front door open. I'm like, Why did you leave the front door open? And she's like, Oh, um uh, I didn't get to tell you that my boyfriend is coming here. I'm like, have you met him? I'm like, which boyfriend? He like, no, we've been talking. He's overseas. He's in the army. And Wait, I was in like, the well, States? Mm-hmm. Where Where? where was somewhere, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. And, oh and they promised gosh. her that they will come and look after her. And, you know, like, uh, so she, she had to pay for, what do you call it, Um the customs and I'm like, Mom, I deal with customs. That's not how it works. It needs to be a website directly on like say UPS if it's the US or or somewhere. But it wasn't a legit website. They had a fake website, fake ID, no. contacting her through WhatsApp. Oh. Yeah. Bless her so, heart. Mm-hmm. So then you discovered so, this
1: scam and 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 you had to like she, she it was, to her.
2: She was in debt for fifteen thousand dollars. Oh, Wow. because she started yeah so she had money uh, whatever money she did and we were due for bills and everything so she used that money to send it to him oh my wow. gosh Crazy. and I was so heartbroken I was so disappointed in my mom I, I remember having this conversation I was like mom give me your phone I'll show you he's a catfish and she didn't want to believe it she didn't want to believe it he, she's like sitting there with hope now nah, he's going to call me he's going to call me we stayed that night and I said and then she yelled at me she said if you take my phone, you're not my daughter. Oh my Aww. god. I remember this so clearly. Yeah. And I was like, How how could you over a man say that to me? And so I, I remember going back to my room, my my brother came in stepped up. I it's still I'm actually still emotional from it.
1: Yeah, bad. Um Aww.
2: and I went to my room, I started looking for a place, um, like a place called Flatmates. Yeah. So you you know, where you rent a room in someone's house.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: within a week I left. Um, I still help mum out financially. Yeah, but um, I didn't talk to my mom for like six months, and I just wow. focus on work.
1: Oh, wow, um, crazy! What
2: but a here's the cool thing. Of the time. Yeah, I'll Go tell on. you. I never knew my strength, and I never knew how much I, the ability that I had, to really push myself. I remember sitting there in in the bed working on my laptop, and I would find out strategies ways how I can like scale up my business I remember that day I was pushing out Facebook ads. I was working with influencers I was creating content I was um doing so much on Facebook ad this is when Facebook ad was still good like you would post a video and I was I think it had like a couple hundred thousand views
0: yeah
2: when the algorithms and weren't yeah as when hard the algorithm to, yeah. was a lot easier yeah and and I remember that day I made three grand the next day I made four grand And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I just made four grand in a day. Yeah. And and that pushed myself. So I was able to give that money back to pay whoever she owed money to. And, you know, whatever bill was still stacking up, I was able to do that within a week. And because I had a – so when I quit my job, I obviously had a buffer, but I had to use that buffer to pay off that. And I was able to get out in a week, get on my two feet, and started just focusing on my, my business yeah, really scale Billionaire Beauties.
1: That is so admirable and amazing and what an incredible person you are. Wow. We've, I've never heard a story like that.
2: I've never heard a story
0: <laughs> like that either. Wow. So, like, I, so how... Um, did you with Billionaire Beauties, obviously mm-hmm. one of the keys to your success is the fact that you selected a product two things. Number one, well, several things, but two things that really stand out to me. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. were on to influencer marketing basically before mm-hmm. anybody was doing it, like before it was cool. That, yep. But the other thing is your product is quite natural and it's obviously mm-hmm. like you were on to this trend, but then you mm-hmm. also somehow sourced the best version of that trend yep. right so how did you do that in order to make this such a success like how did you find the perfect product was it
2: trial and error so or? um no so i got distribution which was really hard to get for solotica okay um but here's the thing i um i had a web developer and we were making good money and he, he got a lot of my data because he, he was helping me with the web developing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw him as a friend, so I shared him everything. Whatever question he wanted to know, I was open, I was honest, I was transparent. And he went behind my back. It, it, during this time, actually, when I was running uh, Billionaire Beauties, we were working with, like, celebrities. We were working with bloggers. We, we were working with Pia Mia. We were working with mm-hmm. wow. all the big bloggers, J D J.D.Y.D. 180, Kristen Dominique. Mm-hmm. um a lot of youtubers um and instagrammers and during this time they started other people who were selling solotica were using our content that we paid for ah uh, yeah yeah so i i was like okay that's tra- that, that's annoying because you can't do anything because we're selling the same thing mm-hmm. um i this web developer who i trusted who i saw as a friend went behind my back and what he did was he pitched people i knew and he pitched other people to to start a website competing with me. So, and you didn't know about non-compete. I didn't know this. Yeah. I didn't know about this, right? Protecting I didn't yourself. find out until another year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause obviously like you can do non-disclosure agreements, non-competes, but yeah, you wouldn't know I didn't know, know that. anything about yeah, that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. I had no idea. Okay. So, so I learned
2: a lot from that. Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you what happened. So, uh, so after a year, I realized, oh, this website, it's so similar to mine. And I was like, they got in, like the blogs are like similar to mine as well. Mm-hmm. And I search it on scam advisor and you can actually see the name of who owns the website. Huh. And it popped out his name. And I was <gasps> like, what the shit? <laughs> yeah, but- I, it, was, it was on Christmas Day. I message him the most nastiest message I would ever say to someone. (laughs) You are the lowest type of low. Yes. Uh, all everything you can say, I said it. But you know what? mm -hmm. I feel like
0: every single woman who's enterprising, who like gets into like or builds a business young, has one of these stories. Like I have Mm -hmm. a story where, I did a bunch of work for a client and he just stopped paying me. Like he just stopped paying mm. his bill and he was like, sue me. And I'd created my own contract, quote unquote, mm. and he knew that it wouldn't hold up in court because I'd written it myself. It was really, you know, whatever, or I didn't have the money to sue him for it. Yeah. Right. Mm. So I feel like every enterprising woman who starts a business young gets
2: screwed over at some point and learns a big, big
0: lesson. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: was definitely a big lesson, I know, for me. But here's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Because we were distributing Solotica, which is expensive to buy in and expensive. Like, it's it's not cheap. It's about 150 AUD mm-hmm. for a pair. But it's long-lasting. It's very natural, like you said. Um, so when, when he did that to me, and given that people copying our content – over and over, we had videos where I edited and um, did a compilation of all our bloggers, and people steal chunks of that and repost it. And you can even see our watermark on that when they repost it. Oh my god, so, so crazy! Yeah, I was so frustrated, and you know, like we we had millions and millions of views on these videos on Instagram, on Facebook, and I was tired. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm going to go to Hong Kong. Um, there was a uh, it's an optical. Um, Event, mm-hmm. it's a huge optical event where they sell color contacts, and everyone around the world, manufacturers around the world, come come here to um, do the what do you call it um, exhibition? Yeah. And so I flew all the way to Hong Kong. I was like, I had no idea. I've never flew myself before so it was very daunting Mm. but I was I bought a friend a ticket she's Chinese I'm like you know what you can come with me and be (laughs) my interpreter (laughs) there you go (laughs) so I flew over with me and we went to the exhibition and um, soon after we launched our own brand Um, our lenses are made from Korea not from China and they're the highest quality color lens and because in the market what we were missing um, with Solotica they're very 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 light colors on the eyes like some people wanted the feedback that we had from our customers mm-hmm. was that they wanted something a little bit more darker and more natural. Okay. And not so overly bright. So that was where we fill in the gap. And I launched Otaku Lens, which um, is world renowned now.
1: Yeah. And um, so that's your, yeah. that's your own lenses. That's that your own brand. Departure. So you've got the full yep. vertical.
2: Awesome. Yep. So we filled in every color that that customers were demanding we would bring out new colors now we just launched a new collection called human iris so the design is like a human iris um, eyes wow huh so so you,
1: so you mentioned earlier that you mm-hmm. um obviously work really hard and then you had to start hiring people and there was a bit of a transition yep. phase where you Absolutely. kind of like got to the point where you needed to hire what when was that how did it go and were you kind of afraid of letting go of control of some areas of your business? Was that a bit of a struggle? Can you just tell us a little bit about that whole experience yep. of making the decision to start hiring to help you out?
2: Mm-hmm. So I noticed, I remember sitting in my apartment and I was like working from 7am to 7am the next day. I would squeeze in like three hours sleep in between. Yeah. But I was like, if I stop. Because I was I was the only one running my business, so if I stopped and I needed a break, I wasn't going to make money. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I was like, I need a staff. And I remember this time, because I, I was a perfectionist. I was like, no one can do it as good as me. Mm-hmm. No one knows how to you know talk to the customers the way I do. But I needed to let that control go and teach someone else. So I, my friend, my web developer actually um, suggested I get. Uh, a virtual assistant, um, a VA from the Philippines. So I looked on Upwork and then I did an application and I started my, my hiring process and I had no idea what I was doing, but you know, I was hiring them and I was training them, whatever I needed, I was training them. And as I got better, this, this virtual assistant, I, I trained and, and, and she was so proactive. She was like, because they wanted to have more hours she was always asking me, what else can I do for you? i already done that. What else can I do for you? What what else can I learn for you? And to the point where I got lazy, to the point where she was doing everything, <laughs> 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 to the wow. point that she was, she was burnt out and we were working 24, seven, seven days a week together. Yeah, okay. And, and then I, I noticed that she was burning out and I noticed that we were working like so long together and I'm like, we need another star because she's burning out and I can see and I'm burning out. Yeah, And so I started hiring and then we started training and then we figured better ways to train. And uh, after hiring more people, it gradually got better because I didn't need it to train them because my girl would train them and I would just uh, focus on all the other things.
1: And then what, and was, the what way, were they doing? Was
2: it like customer service or marketing or was it all of these So things? Because remember I said I was a perfectionist, I mm-hmm. needed to write a list down of what I didn't like to do. Yeah. What I didn't mm-hmm. like to do and what I found painful mm-hmm. and what I found like, you know what, I can train someone else to do this. So it was like uh, social media, um, um, sh- social media posting or replying to customer, replying, replying to customer complaints um, and just little questions like that. So we would then created like all the common questions that our customer would ask and we will put it all on a sheet and then all the replies I would say to them. So that way it's all there. So they have like a, a manual script. Yeah. So that way they get an idea of how to answer those questions. And uh, I would even train them to the extent of how I would speak to bloggers yeah. and customers, like the, the, the language I would use. And they would model that as well.
1: That's so important though, because you're, you're creating yeah, a business system. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like w- people interpret it in their own way. And like, I think it's really important mm-hmm. to set up because it's part of your brand.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're creating a brand without knowing you're creating a brand. It mm-hmm. sounds like.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I I wanted to duplicate a hundred percent as much as I can what I do for them, and gradually they were they were amazing. Mm. The first few was amazing. There was obviously some some that wasn't so great, some that took a long time. But I would teach them from scratch, so they didn't need to have like uh, much experience in virtual assistant. I I rather. I got them when they didn't know much. So yeah. I can start with budgeting. So I would pay them, you know, not at the beginning not much. And then as I trained them up and they got better and they got more responsibility, I can I always I would start paying them more. Yeah. And so awesome. after one staff, two staff, it got easier and easier and easier. Yeah. Like one would be social media, one would be customer service, one would be web developer, one would be graphic design. So gradually yeah. we managed to then source that. Um I now I got like a a hiring process in place because I noticed, I remember Tony Robbins said, fire, uh, hire a slow, fire fast, because it's the nice. people that you don't fire yeah. are the ones that's going to burn your business and yeah. hurt your business. So now we take a while to go through the hiring process. We have, so what we set is like um, a questionnaire of personality questionnaire, yeah, um, a value determination questionnaire. So we know what they value. Because before it was just a resume. They can say whatever. But when you're taking them through a personality test, you yeah. know what their values are. You know the type of person they could be with the personality test. Yes. You can't fake that. Yeah, And we also do our custom personality tests, Like, what do you think of yourself? Yeah, What does other things think of you? Or what does your friend think of you? And all mm. this determines so much.
1: Yeah, Because I
2: know, I remember one of the, some, some answers that they answer was like, oh, what did, other people think of you. And they're like, I don't care what other people think of me. And that is a red flag if you're in customer service. True. So (laughs) you see what, Yeah. so you learn so much in just these little questions that you don't realize. And because I realized we were firing, like we were training so many people and it was just wasting a lot of time because we couldn't determine early on Mm -hmm. if they were the right fit for the business. But we spent all that time training them. Yeah. So as we got better at hiring and training and all that, yeah, I put in these processes to help us get quality people. So
1: do you still have – have you got quite a distributed team? Are they in, in lots we of different have,
2: places? We have over 10 staff now. Yeah. Awesome. Um, wow. And then plus consultants for our marketing team as well. So, And we're hiring more. I've got like over 40 applicants waiting for me to go through.
0: Wow. <laughs> so – yeah. Let me, I just want to go back. I want to talk about your mm-hmm. third business that you're, because mm-hmm. you had the mink eyelash business first, which you shut. Yeah. But um, first, I just want to go back and touch on that because none of our other, this is a really hard topic, and mm-hmm. none of our other entrepreneurs have really touched on this yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by if you don't fire someone that you need to fire they will end up ruining uh-huh. your business. What do you mean by that?
2: So let me give you an example. Yeah. Say one one staff is not keeping up, like they're, they're late all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They don't reply or they don't uh, contribute to the group chat. So I had a staff that was just constantly late one or two hours, and we all start at the same time. So how does that reflect back on the rest of the team? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or the way that a, a certain staff would talk to them, to to the team, or the way that they would do things and they would make a mistake or they would blame another staff member without taking ownership.
0: Yes. The thing yeah, that so, I really noticed is really, really bad. And and maybe this is like because I've been a woman leader for a long time. If mm-hmm. one of your staff members or colleagues starts being disrespectful towards you, it's almost like an open invitation. For mm-hmm. others to be disrespectful towards you as as a woman leader, and it's really hard to, I find to keep that in check because, you know, other people see that behavior and then they're like, oh, 100%. well. Well, so and so isn't answering that. I guess I can just not answer her. You yeah. know, she's not. She's not. Yeah. You know, it's there's just no consequence
1: for everyone else. Yeah. 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 You're not a friend. You're a boss, and sometimes exactly. you have to have those like hard <laughs> yeah. situations. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey,
0: if if you are missing a deadline, that's a big deal, and I need you to take ownership of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, because everybody else sees that, and I think that that's it's mm-hmm. a really hard thing, and a lot of women I know, women
2: leaders I know, struggle with firing people letting people go giving people because they're good people it's not like they're bad people and you want to help them but if they're not willing to help themselves you need to let them go and I know for me it was so hard because I'm so empathetic and compassionate and it was like it was so hard for me to fire them I always believe that they have more to them I believe that they have a really good side and they can learn and grow because that's my mentality right but I and i had a so i had um a staff who actually focuses on that so she's a little bit more tough in that sense and it's it's better that she did it than i did it so she, i always you hired an as,
0: hr person yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah so she would yeah. uh, do the firing without some um, you know without me feeling so bad about it oh yeah so yeah so let's i'll share it to you with our um uh our third business, which was curved Sculpting. Uh-huh. We launched it uh, during COVID just a few months ago. Um, I was at home and I was like bored. I'm like an introvert. I don't go out anyway. But it got so, to the point where if an introvert is getting like, oh, I feel a little bit too stuck at home. Yeah. I was like, I wanted to find something else that I can work on because, yeah, I was like, you, well, you can't go out to restaurants. So in mm-hmm. Melbourne, in Australia, we couldn't, the, the shops were all closed we couldn't go anywhere we couldn't leave the house during the pandemic yes yeah during the pandemic we couldn't do anything go anywhere and was frustrating and so during that time I thought oh you know why not launch another business I had this idea for a long time and I um it's a waist trainer Mm -hmm. do you know what a waist trainer is
0: yeah, yes. I've the okay. So here's the, I have really mixed feelings about waist trainers. I got to be honest <laughs> with you. I do. I really do. Um, I on one hand, I'm like, okay, more power to women for for feeling sexy and like helping them mm-hmm. feel confident. And then on the other hand, I'm like, oh, well, but why do we have to look like this? Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like why is it society's expectations? But I think the most uh a f- the most famous one in the states right now is obviously Skims, which is Kim yeah, Kardashian's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. waist
2: mm-hmm. trainer yeah she she definitely blew the hype like she created that hype yeah she did yeah so uh, here's a funny thing um when I thought of this idea of this waist trainer it's not Mm -hmm. just ordinary any ordinary waist trainer so I'm a little bit more bustier so I've got big boobs and I realized the standard waist trainer in the market Mm -hmm. it it would like push my boobs all the way up so I look like I'm suffocating Mm -hmm. okay because my, my my boobs are all the way up to my neck and I hated that, and also the waist the standard waist trainer would cut off in like where your pants cut off, uh-huh. and it, and we had then when we sit down, you have this like little pouch, bottom pouch of your stomach just hanging out. Yeah, weird. Yeah, so I didn't like that either. So I started sketching out, and I drew this design out where it, our design, the curve sculpting waist trainer, the point are different compared to the the one all on the market is that it has a curve under bus So it sits nicely under your bust and it has a lower curve um, near your bottom pouch. So that way it covers that bottom pouch as well. Okay. So it will sit a lot more comfortable and it will look and feel a lot better. So what is, could just for the people out there who are
0: not you know, familiar, what does a waist trainer do? Like, what's the point of wearing it? You know, is there like, is it, for instance, if you've had babies, like, is it something mm-hmm.
2: that can help you get back your figure back? Like, what is the point? So there's a lot of benefits to waist trainer mm-hmm. or waist training. Um, yes, what you said, it helps with the skin. So say, for instance, when you, you gain weight and you lose all that weight, you have saggy skin. Mm-hmm. So the best way is to get you back you know, the skin to attach back into the stomach is waist training. Okay. And it also helps with training your waist. So uh, I know for me, I was very square shaped type of girl growing up. And I actually waist trained for a very long time. Like I went to the extreme. I was like a strap and I would get a belt and tied my waist down. That's how extreme I was. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. <laughs> I was obsessed with like a smaller waist. Oh, but now awesome. obviously they introduce waist trainer, which is a lot more comfortable and, a lot um, easier to wear and not too extreme. So it's basically um, a high compression garment that you yeah, wear a high your high compression that gives you a nice snatched waist and helps with the skin around that stomach, especially after. I find a lot of um, our clients who just gave birth loves to wear waist training waist trainer because it helps with that skin to get back into you know pre pregnancy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My mom, actually, I, I became a mom when I was 22. And the first thing that she said to me was, mm-hmm. oh, I really should have bound your waist. And I was like, what? Yeah. And she was like telling, she was like, oh, my, my sister did it. She's like, well, I never did it, but my sister did mm-hmm. it. And she was small like you or whatever. Um, I really should have done it. You, you were so small. And I'm like, what do you mean bound my waist, mom? And I'm sitting mm-hmm. here like trying to breastfeed a baby and like everything else. Yeah, yeah. And you're, I'm like, what do you mean bound? my waist but it's i this is
2: before this is like early this, 2000s yeah this has been happening for a long time people yeah. just don't know about it
0: yeah i think yeah.
2: kim kardashian made it mainstream
0: mm-hmm.
2: um because she said oh so whoever just gave birth to you would, like give them a waist trainer yeah, yeah there's, obviously, so, there's
1: obviously a lot of demand in the market for this and i think the kardashians have a lot to answer for in terms of the like mm-hmm. new standard of what like women's bodies are like desired to look like especially by other women but what would you say to people who um question whether or not this kind of product is like not ethicals, like too strong words but like how it's actually going backwards in terms of women's body image and positivity because it's kind of feeding the ideal of what a woman's body should look like in terms of like a typical like hourglass shape
2: i think honestly for me a woman's shape is beautiful in all shape but it depends on what you like. Like for me, how I see it, you can wear it extreme. Like I used to be extreme. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm a little bit more chilled. But it's how you wear it. Like some people would get multiple sizes smaller just to be that extreme. But then you can – there's so many benefits to it, like the skin tightening, like getting back into pre-pregnancy uh, body. you got to think more like that. And, mm-hmm. and when they lose weight or they gain weight and their weight fluctuates and their skin – loses that um collagen in it yeah so it's like do what's comfortable for you basically yes do what's com- and don't go to so many sizes down don't wear it too tight wear it just enough just right to feel in like to give you a little bit more um uh, of a shape or to help you with that skin around the stomach you know there's so many benefits to it we are just going to focus on the positive as opposed to all the negative things that people over dramatize on social media
1: yeah. yeah. So it's more like for you, you're giving women who want this as a product to have yeah. their confidence rather than like, this is a, a body type that you should have.
2: Correct. Hmm.
0: Correct. Do you, um? so do you have, like, have you ever gotten into a situation where like, a, well, I guess, I don't know if you would deal with this directly at this point, but where a woman was actually like ordering a size that just wasn't healthy for her body to wear, like trying to mm-hmm. go to that extreme and like, you know, trying to like... Have you ever gotten into that
2: situation, or is that something that you anticipate? So, when we launched Curve Sculpting, which is like just early late last year, which is a couple months ago, yeah. Um, what I did because because it was such a fresh um, business, I wanted to understand all the customers' feedback. Mm-hmm. So what we did was um, because we still had a small customer base, I was able to go through the abandoned cart and reach out to them and uh-huh. call them. And I'll speak to them on the phone. Hey, what do you think? And then I saw you bought, you put this size in your cart. Can I help you with the sizing? What size do you usually wear? These are my suggestion, and really helping them through and understand the the size that they should get. Because I know a lot of people that like, oh, what size do I usually wear? No, and we helped a lot of customers pick the right size for them. We have twenty four. Uh, we have uh, customer service on our Instagram, on our uh, website, and on our email. So we we have blogs on our website to help them figure it out. We have videos to share it with them so that way they can understand a lot better. We educate the customers, not just like here, buy our shit and then see you later. So we really educate our customers all through. So it's interesting to take that approach of like, hey, this is a waist trainer.
0: It's not a corset. You know, yeah. this is to help you with some insecurities that you might have, help your body like, you know, regain its shape maybe after pregnancy or whatever. Mm. But we are not encouraging you to mm. go to that extreme like Kardashian look. You know, it's you were encouraging yeah. you to be healthy about it and realistic. I think that's an interesting concept.
1: I'm just so inspired by the fact message. that you went through all your abundant car emails and emailed everyone individually. <laughs> 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 they
2: loved
1: government. it. They
2: were like, oh my God, this is, a- I don't even know if they know how that I was a CEO. But yeah, but, it's, but I, think I was really getting to know our customers. Yeah. I really want I cared. I wanted to know, I wanted to see how we can improve in anything
1: yeah and that's really good advice for like anyone starting a business is like don't be afraid to reach out to your abandoned carts and ask them why they abandoned their cart, Mm -hmm. and and see if you can be helpful and and actually like have a dialogue like you're not like hidden behind a screen, like you actually are the face of your company and you can you can have that dialogue and find out how you can better serve people
0: and then for the American listeners so- in the room, they're trying to say the word <laughs> cart. <Hi.
1: laughs>
0: you both had a thick accent. I'm- <laughs> I was like, nobody's gonna know. <laughs> All right, keep
1: going. No, I think that's really um- inspiring, Yen. Like you've you're so tenacious. like everything that you do is just like you just give your absolute all to it and yeah. 100%, 100% to make your dreams happen and to, and to grow your business.
0: One last question oh. about this this company. Do you have – like did you use the same playbook that you kind of made up with, with uh, Billionaire Beauties to bring this to
2: market or do you, did you put a new playbook together? So um, launching this product is a different uh, niche. So it's not in beauty like I'm used to. But it definitely, I did learn a lot because the there is slightly different audience uh-huh. that I found because uh, we have a feature account and we turn that feature account into our main account, which is Curve Sculpting on Instagram. We have over 100,000 following because we've been featuring a lot of, we were a feature account for a long time. Yeah. So just nurturing, 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 and finally we launch a product. Yeah. Um, Build
1: the audience so, first.
2: Yeah, with yeah. audience first. So we have for our so we don't just promote our products. So what we do is I have a um, makeup account, which we feature uh, makeup artists, uh, makeup bloggers, and anything that's viral on social media in the beauty industry. It's makeup XYX. And we have almost, oh wait, let me check. I think we got over 500,000 people on there or followers on there. And with high engagement, millions of impression, you know, daily, weekly. And so we would feature that with our bloggers who we work with and also tag them so they get featured and it goes viral because usually what we post goes viral and other makeup feature makeup account would then post that and that creates a ripple effect which mm-hmm. goes viral. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay, that's awesome.
2: So um, I wanted to share with with Curve Sculpting when we, the, the thing what we focus on is giving value. So the way that we give value is like what we did with Billionaire Beauties. Our website is probably the only website that does in the beauty industry that does video for each color. So each color lens, you will see a video on how it looks like on the on, on dark eyes. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would personally do the video myself and explain to them, share with them what this color is, how this color looks like and how it looked like on my eyes. Yeah. And for Curve Sculpting, we did that for Curve Sculpting and I would then um, do a video explaining different things about the waist trainer. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: so smart and, and it's so
2: much I, more inclusive for your marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I got it got to the point where I'm like, oh my god, I'm so overwhelmed. I've got so many staff, I got so much to do. And then, so we started reaching out to bloggers to then sh- who really value like waste training and let them review it and let them share their thoughts. And then that way we can then build that, you know, uh, audience who people who trust them and who people can. Uh, have knowledge in our product more mm-hmm. so yeah. that's something we do do a lot giving value um sharing in video um tiktok instagram reels so yeah i think the interesting
0: thing there too is like to see real women like they with products especially beauty and fitness mm-hmm. products it's like seeing real women not you know, necessarily all the model type or like the I'm six feet tall kind of body type. Like, okay, so here is, you know... Jada and she is just had a baby two months ago and she's like five six not like six feet you know and like this is her with her waist training journey over time like that stuff is just so powerful and that's just the power of social media is actually finding people that you can relate to based on you know what your body type might look or feel like or your values or your goals or whatever and that's kind of the the niche that you found really early on.
2: Um, we actually sold out in the first month. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we did. Oh, okay. We're so sold out right now. I'm waiting for stock because stock is taking so long. Wow. So if you go on our website, all our big sizes are like all sold out. So I'm waiting for stock right now. Oh, um, man. But we're launching new designs. We're launching uh, a body shapewear and also like a skin – like a, a – a beach sand. I called it beach sand. So we're more inclusive of and aware of the colors that we name. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like a creamy beach sand for waist trainer. So that way they can wear it under lighter clothing because we have demands for people who want to wear uh, wear it under their wedding dress or like a lighter clothing as opposed to black, which is the standard color. Mm.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Well, wow. I mean, you've done so much. This is so incredible. It was such an inspiring story. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on the podcast. And if people want to shop, I know you're sold out with the waist training stuff. Um, We're restocking the week. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> so if people want to shop either your waist training products and or your eye color products, where can they find you
2: on all the socials? So underneath. for the beauty products, for the contact line, mm-hmm. Um, billionairebeauties.com. Mm-hmm. For the waist trainer and the shapewear, is curbsculpting.com nice. Beautiful.
0: Well, thank you
2: thank so you. much, Jan. This has been a joy. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: You're totally <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Chat soon. Bye. 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 This podcast was brought to you by Invoice to Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.